You, you talked about imposter syndrome. I've never actually had to, I've never suffered through that where I've looked at myself and said, um, you're not good enough or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I tend to go through the, the emotional challenges of how do I, how do I actually not express frustration with other people when I, when they don't do what I want them to do? So it's, yeah, okay. it's really, for me, it's the emotional challenges of how I interact with other people because I'm, I'm very demand. I mean, I, I get upset with myself. I'm an ENTP personality, which means I think I don't do the right thing. I make stupid decisions, but I also accept the criticism that comes with that pretty, pretty easily. So, um, now that said, I, I don't know if we're getting into the, the podcast before it gets started or if this it is all part of it. It feels like we so. have, so let's go with it. It feels yeah, like we yeah, have, yeah. let's go so, with it, yeah. Um, huh. uh, so for me, it's just never, I, I've never had that particular struggle and that, that might be a byproduct of my personality type and the fact that I got my start in politics where everybody seems to fake it until they make it uh, and, and, uh, are happy to do so. Right. I mean, it's kind of uh, a, a cultural sign in that industry that, that, uh, you know, we're all kind of faking our way through this. So let's, let's figure it out. Uh, but like I said, my biggest challenge has always been treating people with other people with the respect that they deserve and knowing that they're that in a lot of cases, our clients go through that struggle. Yeah. Right? They're, they're candidates, they're elected officials in that particular industry, and they totally worry about whether or not they're good enough to be there all the time, right? Because their name is in lights. It's being judged constantly by people ridiculed constantly by people. So, um, like I said, I, I think part of what, what, uh, my, my personal and business transformation has been how to understand the role that we play in making other people's lives better, the role that we play in our own struggles and how we, how we just take responsibility for what we can control and, you know, accept that, uh, there's no responsibility for the things that we can't. So. So you started off with politics when you were doing marketing or you just. Uh, yeah, I was I was uh, I, I was a scholarship debater at Colorado State University and one of the few, uh, you know, hate me, love me for it. Doesn't doesn't matter. It, it, we're, we're all different. But I mean, I'm a conservative at heart. Right. I'm an individualist. Yeah. Um, so I was one of the few debaters that was a natural conservative. So of course I knew more than every other conservative out there and what better place to go fake it until you make it no more than everybody, everybody else than, than in politics. So, um, when I was 18 and knew everything, I went out there and got my ass kicked for years. Uh, On the until I finally or? learned what I was talking about, right. How to, that we're all that we're all know it alls and all more than capable of uh, knowing everything about the world and and as I've done that I've kind of realized like hey the struggles in politics are the struggles in real life right how do yeah. you how do you talk to people how do you relate to people how do you make their life better and so then it started to slowly transition into um, marketing and, and more general communications and, and helping people make money as opposed to earn votes so. How is that political landscape different from like marketing, let's say, an e-commerce website? Because I know politics has a lot to do with like public relations. Yeah, you can't really say this. You can't really do that. In marketing, we always like to take that risk. So, so it's it's really funny. I'm I make my dollar on taking those risks in politics. And so I've, I've differentiated myself in the sense of, well, people will say, well, I have to, I can't show weakness. I'm like, why? You're a human being. Mm. I mean, it is the same thing, right? What, what do we talk about as part of the communities we're part of? It's person to person. It's a human enterprise, what we do. Um, we have to follow a process. And if you just rush in and, uh, try to create these complicated schemes and messages, you just fall flat on your face. Keep things simple, keep it personal, follow the process. I mean, nowhere is that more real than in politics. I mean, it, be it, just be a person, 
And and that's what people want to connect to. They want to trust that the people they're putting their authority in to make decisions on their behalf are good people. At the end of the day, good people. And bad people that convince mm-hmm. others that they're good people tend to be pretty successful. And so I I, I kind of lean in and say, stop pretending to be something you're not. Be be who you are. Connect with with who people are, and you'd be fine. So it's funny how you brought that up with uh, good people acting bad, bad people acting good. In terms of your reactions to them, like, would you, do you get excited helping people that are good, or do you get excited like bringing out the bad in them? Like, oh, me- I, I get so much more excited helping good people change the world. I mean, I honestly do. Um, it used to be that I really loved that that antagonistic, angry part of politics. Mm. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I loved picking fights with anybody I could. And I would go out of my way to purposely pick fights with people just to bring out the worst in them. But as I started to kind of make that transition from loose and fast in your 20s, when there's no, when you don't feel consequences or you don't accept consequences, mm. as I started to age, I started to actually realize I didn't find joy in that. And so I started to kind of just, there wasn't a moment that it clicked, but I mean, I was talking to a a former client um, who, who has since kind of run through his, his gamut of public life and is doing some other things. Now we were talking about it this morning on the phone as I was driving from one place to another. And he said, you know, one of the five highlights of everything that I've done in public life has been, you know, getting to spend time with you and banter back and forth. And he's a, he is a, a good, good man. Mm. I mean, he, he, he performed our wedding vows at my wife's and and my wedding. Uh, He, he was one of the first people to hold our daughters after they were born. I mean, he genuinely cares about people. And the fact that somebody with as good of a heart as he has said that about me I mean, that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. That is. Huh? Um, so really my, my drive right now is just to help good people do amazing things because, you know, there, there's, there's a lot more of that needed in the world than uh, going out there and picking fights with people all the time. So. I totally agree with you. And um, it brings me to another point. Uh, I know this political landscape that we have today, mm-hmm. you have, good versus bad, left versus right, Republicans versus Democrats, conservative versus liberals. How do people differentiate? Like, how do you go about telling people who feel that liberalism is greater over conservatism or Republicans are greater than Democrats? I don't know if you want to state your Republican, your, I screwed that up. I'll I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm Republican. So yeah. that's, that, I don't that know is what want- it is. Take, take it for what mm-hmm. it is, but. Well, so am I. I'm not yeah. technically a Republican, but I am a Republican at heart. On paper, sure, I'm independent. Sure. But my whole thing is, how do you like bring out when someone like gets involved in heinous acts? Like if someone, let's say, from the other side of the politics, I don't want to like place that whole. But sure, th- sure. How do you? How are you able to cope with that when they call you names? When they call you? a murderer or they call you a criminal or they call you a racist because that's what happens in today's politics. Yeah. I mean, I I try to look at it. I can't control the way people feel about me. Right. So, Mm. I mean, I can't, I can't sit there and say, you have to feel like I'm a good person. It, it, I know in my heart, I do what I, the things I do are based on integrity, honesty, and purpose of making the world a better place. But I also acknowledge that if the world, everybody in the world was like me, it probably would not be that great of a world either. So what I try to say, and and um, anytime somebody comes at me aggressive like that, I try to say, why are you angry at me? And then if, 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 if that conversation starts going, well, you Republicans do this and you Republicans mm-hmm. do that, I say, no, no, no. I'm talking to you right now. Tell me what I did to you. And if I need to apologize, I'll apologize for it. And mo- most often, 
people people hear that and say, well, you've not done anything to me. I said, so let's start with that. Let's just start with that one little nugget, that we've not done anything to each other. And, and, and start from there. And I try to approach how I treat people from the same perspective. If, if somebody has a position, in, it, it's the same way in the politics of business or yeah. the politics of healthcare or the politics of e-commerce or whatever it is. Politics is everywhere that we, everywhere that we do because it's a human relationship balancing act, right? So if somebody doesn't have a reason to apologize to me, I don't expect them to. And I give them, I show them grace in mm. their commitment to what they think is important. I, I can respect that about people. So, um, and to be perfectly honest with you, I think most people in the world are like that, but it doesn't make for good clickbait if somebody says, oh, we're all happy out here, right? Um, <laughs> but I'm not out here for clickbait, man. I, I just want... I just want to be happy and I want people around me to be happy and feel like just in, enjoy the blessings that they have. So that's, that's how I approach that, but it's the same in business too. I mean, you, you, you know, this as well as anybody, right? Um, it, it, you can run into some real salty people in a business environment, just like you could anywhere else. And you still have to approach the relationship from the same perspective to, to get something done. Exactly. And I guess as long as you're trying to make the world a better place and not just trying to gain in power, you know, that's mm -hmm. what matters to you the most. You're not going to help that's someone right. who just wants power. You're going to help someone who really, truly wants to change the world. And that's the way that's I see it. it with everything. That's why I, I'm a Republican at heart right now, but at the same time, I'm not just going to vote for any Republican. I'm not just going to vote for any independent. I'm going to vote with my heart and vote with the person who I feel wants to change the world. And yeah, I truly believe right. that. But at the same time, if people are just voting against, let's say, they're voting in the president's election because they hate Trump, then to me, that's not a good enough reason. That's not a good no, enough reason no. for you to go out there and vote for someone because you hate the other guy. Because what did the other guy really do to you that you hate him so much? It, oh, my gosh. And that's the conversation I have with our side so often. I'm like, yeah, I get it, right? You got your guy and you don't like the guy that's in office. But if you've never met somebody and you start yelling at them about Biden, Mm. It, you're never going to get anywhere. Just like if 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 you're a Ford guy and and all you've ever driven is Fords and you think Chevys are the worst product on the planet, you're not going to get anywhere with anybody yelling at them uh -huh. about how shitty their Chevy is. <sighs> Pardon the language, right? You're you're just not. People are going to look at you and say, "Stop! Why are you yelling at me?" And and. Uh, so again, I mean, I have really uh, found a lot of purpose in promoting that belief in everything that I do. So, so you asked the question, right? Like how we got our start. I got my start in politics, but I, I love just, it, it's so applicable to everything we do in life. I mean, it's, it, look, it's applicable to my marriage, right? I mean, I have to, I have to stand back and say, um, my wife are, and I are very different people, so which means we interact with our girls in very different ways. And I can't yeah. get angry at her for nurturing them in the way that she does because that's who she is. And she doesn't mean anything by it. And to be perfectly honest, she does the same thing with me. Our girls have two very different parents in that regard. And it's going to make them better, more well-rounded people to find the commonalities between what mom teaches them and dad, what dad teaches them, which is to be kind and respectful to everybody they meet. On the same token, my four-year-old daughter dropped the F-bomb the other day, and I couldn't do nothing <laughs> but, but be proud because she used it in context, whereas my <laughs> wife was mortified, right? So, I mean, it, it, um, we just got to stop. We just got to stop being angry with each other and just start realizing the world is just so much of a happier place. Um, and, and the best example of that, right? Uh, uh, did you watch Ted Lasso? Did you watch it from beginning to end? You know, my wife brought it up yesterday. She's seen all three episodes, or all three seasons when I was away. And yeah. She's like, oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. And she keeps telling me to watch it. And yesterday, she really wanted to sit down and watch it again because she said it's classic. It's like these it, little one-liners he keeps dropping. It, I'm like, huh. it, 
Here's uh, the thing, right? There, there's, I, I don't want to ruin it, but there, there is a scene or an episode in every season where you just stand back and say, God, I just wish there was more of that in the world. And there is, there is one scene in particular in the first season um, where I'll just say, you expect it to, to go into drama. And, and the writers of the show just stop the drama mm. at that moment. And you kind of stop and say, should I, should I be happy? I'm happy about this. Should I apologize for being happy about this? And then you're like, by the end of the third season, you're like, no, I'm not going to apologize for loving people around me, for being happy yeah. with them. And Oh, it's just, it is so much more wonderful. And uh, I, I can, I can go on and on about I think how we're all- I want the world to be that way. Well, go ahead. This is what we're here for. Like with uh, me personally, I used to be such a negative person. And I will tell you exactly how you uh, described yourself in your 20s. That was me six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And before the 2016 election, before the 2020 election, all I wanted to do was trigger people. And all yeah. I did was Facebook every day, triggering people left and right. And I was getting, I was going viral, to be honest with you. Like I had mm-hmm. 40Ks on one share. I had another 20K on another. And I'm like, wow, okay, people are noticing me. But at the same time, like, uh, I will tell you, one of my friends blocked me on Facebook. My best friend blocked me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell? He's like on my side. Why is he blocking me? So um, I asked him, I'm like, yep. Why'd you block me? He's like, because all you do is fight on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, but I'm winning these arguments. He's like, so? Congratulations, <laughs> you're winning them. What is it you're winning? Like, it, it took me back a little bit. And I'm like, he's got a point. What exactly am I winning? Yeah. Because I'm pissing people off. They're telling me to fuck off. I'll say that. And they literally block me. But what did I win at that point? Like, I won an argument. Yeah. Now I get to brag that I won an argument. And it's like, how's that making me, my life better? How's that bringing money into my life? How is that even mm-hmm. changing me at all? It's just making me more cocky, making me more of an asshole. So, yeah. And it's uh, exactly it, right? And when you're trying to win an argument, who are you trying to win an argument for? Exactly. Right. If it's not for yourself, it's for other people. And if it's for other people, again, you can't change how people feel. So it's kind of, you're just kind of, kind of stuck there. So I I learned to utilize the power of agreement. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if someone's trying to argue with me over a certain political side or something like that happened, I just agree with them. I just like, I understand. I hear you. You know? Because at the same mm-hmm. time, it's not worth it for me to even argue anything. It's not even worth it for me to even attempt to, then, to see my side because it's not going to happen. Now, I'm cool with that. I just want you to be happy. If you're happy with your decision, then that works for me. Yeah. But at the same time, we can have two opposite views and get along. That's how this mm-hmm. country was made, if you ask me. Because we did have well, a great compromise, right? How come it, we can't do that exactly now? Right? How come we it's can't exactly do that right? now? And that brings me to the point. The media is actually sitting there just telling us we shouldn't be getting along. We shouldn't be acting right because we hate this man and we need this man out of office. Or we hate this political party because they're destroying our lives. It's like, well, how are they? They're giving it more of like that whole approach of you have to be more aggressive. You have to like not let things slide so you can save yourself. And the other side is saying, no, everyone deserves a chance. Well, we agree. (laughs) Everyone does deserve a chance. But we want them to do it correctly. But no, you're not doing it correctly. You're hurting people. I get it. Everyone gets hurt. Regardless yeah. of which way you see it, someone's going to get hurt. Yeah. You just have to choose I mean, which way you want to get hurt by. It, it, it just, it, it, again, it blows my mind how important we make envy as part of our dialogue in anything that we do. We should be envious of people that find success in this because we don't have that success for ourselves. So obviously they took it from us. Um, but but at the communities we share, how much do we actually hear envy as part of what we do? Absolutely not. None. And and as a result, it is one of the most it is one of the best business decisions I've ever made to to be um a certified partner with, with DM because it's, there, there are people that genuinely care. And so after uh, my wife and I, we lost our son and then uh, just randomly almost six months of the day later, I lose my father. These were people that cared about me 
as a human being. And that to me was, was so much more purposeful and meaningful. And uh, of course, therapeutic, but setting a foundation for success uh, in my life. And, and nobody, nobody was ever envious about it. Nobody demanded anything for it. They were, no. we, we understood that investing in other people was an investment in ourselves emotionally. Love that. And that it gave it it gave people an opportunity to find the same in us when they need it. I, I mean, it's just that that I mean again, I'm a very self-interested person in the sense that I I need to know what's in it for me to make a decision. Mm. But I also understand that that doesn't mean monetarily. It doesn't mean materially. It means there's nothing to apologize for finding emotional satisfaction and helping put a smile on somebody else's face. And that's what I love about our community and what I hate about so much that's going on in the world right now is that it's all based on on hateful, spiteful envy that that uh, doesn't make anybody's life better. Well, it's all dependent on what political side you're on. And I feel that's what divided us in the first place. That's what made us mm -hmm. believe that, hey, one side is better than the other. Because like I'll say, either you're with Palestine or Israel, but both sides matter, don't they? Like you have 100%. Palestinians. Palestinians are fighting for their uh, country. It's like they're pro-Palestine well, because they are Palestine. They're pro-Israel because they are Israel. How can you mm -hmm. take one person and be like, well, your country sucks? How? Your government yeah. might suck, but how do you tell a person that he sucks because he's on the wrong side? How is that person on the wrong side? He just believes yeah. in this country. And, and, uh, and that's just it. And, and more importantly, I mean, you, you, again, when you recognize people for what they are, we can recognize that there are some bad people in the world that initiated that conflict. Uh -huh. And I, we can all recognize that while simultaneously lamenting women and men and children who are just trying to to live on both sides i mean i i there was an article in the new york times a, a couple of weeks ago that was based right here in atlanta uh, about these two women that that found themselves on the same side of the political divide but they could not bridge that gap over their conversation over that conflict mm. and it, it, i read through the article a couple different times a day, different. I tried to look at it from different angles and I just read through it and I, I was just heartbroken about it um, because I understood both points. I agreed with one particular person more than I did the other. Um, but, but it's just a sad state of affairs that, that we just get so, just so much stuff is built on envy, man. I just, I, um. the, the, the journey that, that we want everybody to, to find, themselves at the end of or when they find themselves at the end of their journey in life is that they could look in those last few moments before they take take the next steps and say i was a good person i was happy and there are just so many people that are not encouraged to think that way and so again when we go back to to any sort of conflict and obviously you have things in the world that are that are conflicts based off or conflicts that have much more meaningful ramifications than, you know, the business conflicts that you and I might have. Mm -hmm. I mean, literal life and death situations, but they're all still, they all still come from the same, same premise. And that is we try to control the things around us that we cannot control. And we get angry with people because we can't control them. Uh, that's a great point. And, and it's just, it, nothing can get done that way. But on the same token, I, I'd, I'd venture to guess that more people in the world, if they were just encouraged to just accept that it's okay to be happy and it's okay mm -hmm. to, to be angry without being vengeful, that it's okay to be happy without being um, hedonistic, that it's okay to to want things without being envious. I mean, all of these things around us, the, these are, these are parts of our, our human anatomy, right? The emotional soul that we have 
And like I said, I mean, it's it's a long-winded way of saying you ask about the transformations we go through in life. That's the transformation I'm at right now is that I just want to be happy with people, people like you, people like our community we belong to, people like my wife, my daughters, my friends. just want the world to be a, a, a place that we can all enjoy and together. Uh, uh, like doesn't doesn't make me sound like a typical <laughs> hard ass Republican conservative by any stretch of the measure. Uh, but it, but it actually genuinely is. I, I think it's the one thing that binds us all is that we just want to be, be happy and productive and content. And that's a good thing. I think I, I know it's a good thing. So let's back it up now. Let's go, uh, get out of the political world. Cause yeah, I think yeah, we spent yeah. enough time on that, but let me ask you also, um, you had a couple of businesses, you said, and uh, how many do you have now? How many of them exist now? So um, we we still have two businesses. We have one that is focused on the politics side of it, just servicing those clients. Um, and then we have one that's focused on uh, mainly small local businesses that are uh, service oriented, particularly roofers and real estate educators. So people that teach real estate agents how to be real estate agents. And so we, uh, from a marketing perspective, we have the same processes for both companies, the same frameworks with a little bit of tweaks here and there. Uh, the same, we try to achieve the same outcomes in terms of finding gradual, consistent, predictable success. And we, up until uh, June, had direct mail fulfillment companies mm. that, that we directly owned. And when I say we, I mean, me, but, uh, you know, uh, but I transferred those off. We, the emotional challenges I had in life just made them unsustainable. Um, for me, it, it was unsustainable for me to maintain that business and maintain my personal physical and emotional health. Uh, so we transferred, essentially transferred the business to, uh, um, to a printer partner. They continue to run the business to, to this day and we provide support to them as, as we can, but I just had to wipe my hands of it and say, um, this is not putting me in a best position to be a good, happy, productive person. I can't help anybody around me. How hard was that decision to make? To be honest with you, wasn't that hard at all. No, um, you didn't feel that emotional attachment or anything that would say, no, keep this. I got this. I could do it. Or you just said, this is it. This is something that I don't want. To to again go to the timeline of all of that, it really kind of all fell apart within about eight nine months. Um, in August of twenty two, my my wife and I we were expecting our son, right? And yeah. and to to kind of tell you the story behind that, my old man, I, I'm named after my old man. My name is Robert Wade Lee the second, and my old man said, I, "There's one promise. I'm not going to tell you how to be." I'm not going to tell you how to parent whatever children you might have in the future, but if you have a boy, promise me you'll keep the tradition alive. And I said, absolutely. I promise. That's the only promise I made to him in that regard. So uh, we had two girls, which is what my, I mean, my wife wanted girls and we had a, we had, we essentially exchanged naming rights. If we had a boy, his name was Robert Wadley III. And if we had a girl, uh, if we had girls, you can name the girls, whatever names you give them. We agreed on that, right? Um, so we had our two girls, and then we we said, all right, we're going to go for number three. And, uh, and we had number three coming. And then just uh, literally over the course of a weekend, my wife went in for a checkup. Everything looked fine. They did blood work. By Monday, they came back and said, there's something, some abnormality in the blood work. And by Tuesday, we were in the hospital. Um, delivering a, a a dead son. I mean, it was just, and it was the start of heartbreak. I didn't know how to emotionally handle that, right? I mean, it, 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 I can't imagine the anguish that my wife felt being the person carrying our son to term and then having to physically go through that. So I don't pretend to, to say that my anguish and grief was any worse. Um, I do think I handled it emotionally worse than she did. I think she was far more capable to process that grief than than I was, um, which just speaks to her character more than more than anything else. But 
uh, it really, I mean, I started to disconnect from a lot of things at that point and, mm. and that business was one of them. So I told my employees like, look, I'm just, I'm just, I'm falling apart here, right? Continue. We have processes in place, follow the processes. And I, I think uh, I probably didn't prepare them as best as I could because I had uh, one employee that just wasn't prepared to, to do the work necessary. And so those processes started to fall apart. And so we started to lose customers. And we we got into a very busy season where financially at that point, we were bringing in a lot more revenue, but we also had a lot more old customers that were starting to feel neglected. So we got through that and we started to get that repaired and, and started to get that fixed. And and we we found an exit for that employee and and uh you know just all kind of moved in in the right direction so we started to get over that we started i mean um i was going to bring my dad on as a salesperson and we were going to start to to um grow the business again with new customers we started laying those processes in place and my old man was the best damn salesman i ever knew in my life he was just an old warhorse car salesman from Cheyenne, Wyoming, right? Knew how to sell anything to anybody. And so he was really pumped. And then one day I'm at the office and I uh, get a, a, my stepmother never calls me from her phone. They always called me from, from my old man's phone. And I'm just like, Hey, what's going on? Middle of the day. And she said, Well, uh, your dad had a heart attack. And so oh. he went in for an eye exam was in the doctor's office in the chair from what I understand and, and had a heart attack and, and essentially was on life support. And, you know, we had to say our goodbyes and that was almost six months of the day of saying goodbye to our son who was named after me, who, and I'm named after my old man. Right. So in the span of six months, I was supposed, there were supposed to be three of us here and all of a sudden it's just me. And I mean, I just, I, I mean, I just, I disconnected from so much. I mean, I disconnected from people. I disconnected from that business and the business just absolutely suffered. I mean, it, it just, mm-hmm. it, it irreparably suffered as a result. So you ask how easy was the decision? I told my wife, I'm thinking about making this decision. I didn't even finish the sentence before she said, good, do it. We'll be okay. We just want just want you back. And like I said, it's not hard to make a decision between something that is bad and good. And that was not good. So uh, I had, like I said, I had a, a business relationship with a printer partner. I said, here's the customer list. Here are the processes. Here are the resources. Here's everything you need to know. Business is yours. I just literally gave it away. And uh, went through the process of uh, divesting and and just uh, accepting the losses for what they were. And I can tell you that it was the best decision because I've been able to grieve. I finally had the, I, I mean, I just took a month off of really doing nothing. I slept a lot. Something I hadn't done in nine months at that point. Um, and I mean, it was just a ton. Sleeping, getting to bed at at three in the morning after playing some PlayStation while my dog sat next to me and sleeping in until three the next afternoon. I mean, it was, it was that sort of tired that I was, I was able to physically process through. And then I was able to talk with, with guys like you that were in the business communities I was a part of that showed genuine concern for me, uh, which you were one of them, right? I mean, you messaged, you sent me messages of support and said, it's okay to feel this way. Um, so I began to process those feelings of appreciation and grief and what that meant for me and what I want to do in the world. And then once I started to, to get to a point where I said, this is, this is a good set of feelings you're dealing with, then I started to reinvest in the business processes and perfect them and, and get them to a point where I can start flipping switches and, and making, making more than enough money. I mean, I'm making enough money. Um, to to set some away and and keep the lights on and contribute to my family, but now we're ready to turn the corner and start making a a boatload of money so that we can retire at a nice nice young age and enjoy the rest of our lives and in the household and um, which again is just a long way of saying I have zero regrets 
about the decisions that I made over the last year because it's gotten me to a point where I can talk about it with, with guys like you and say to anybody listening, make the decision to prioritize your mental ha- happiness, your physical happiness over. And I don't mean like hedonistic happiness, but I mean genuine content or, or you know, contentment with the life that you live. And you'll you'll be more than okay. Those are easy to sit decisions to make all day, every day. So at any time, you never felt like you didn't make the right decision. You always had your foot forward and said, this is the right decision. I'm not even questioning it. I'm going forward. Now I'm moving forward. And now you're at a happier place, right? You're in a 100%. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it, look, I can, I can sit there and say, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I just, just rolled the dice and said, hey, whatever comes, comes. But I did, I mean, I did evaluate it and said, look, you can continue to debate yourself about what you need to do. You can you can analyze it from any angle you want to analyze it from. And you can look and say there are going to be people that are going to enjoy this failure in your life because they have their own set of envy and issues and things like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to make decisions. And as long as you're willing to accept the consequences of those decisions, good or bad, which I'm 100% able to accept the consequences of my decisions, then life goes on, right? It's not anybody's fault that life happens. It's not, you know, I mean, it, it. you take responsibility for the decisions you make, but sometimes things just happen in life that force you to reprioritize. That's exactly what I did. So, and like I said, um, not a regret, not a regret. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Like that gives people hope. Yeah. Because now it's like you went through all that and you're still like, now you're at a happy place. Mm -hmm. You you took that journey, you went through it all. And now it's like, you're coming up stronger than ever. And that's like the stories I like to hear. And that's the stories I like to showcase. Those that went through it, that been through it. I I, 100%. I know. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you're letting me, Share that story with your audience. I appreciate I mean, the fact that you are sharing help. that story because there's tons out there like you that tons out there that want to blame life and want to like see their struggles as something that's like the only thing they have. And they sit mm-hmm. there and they, they sit in it and they stew in it. And as they're stewing in it, they just grow more and more angry at themselves, at their life and everything else. And at that point, that's when they self-destruct because mm-hmm. I've seen that happen. And it's not something that you want to happen to yourself. No, so not at all. when you make that decision, when you come up with it and say, this will make my life happier and I'm not even second guessing it, I'm going forward and doing it. And you come out and say, hey, it was the best decision I've ever made. Then that tells the world that there's hope out there, that you don't have to mm-hmm. sit there stewing in your own hate, stewing in your own envy. You could go out there and be like, this is me. I'm not going to let this bother me anymore. And I'm moving forward. And 100%. That's the story you just told. Hey, 100%. No matter what just happened, I'm still going to live my life and I'm going to live my life the way it was intended for me, the way my father planned it out for me, the way my son wants to do it. And that's exactly what you're doing. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's funny. So I I had a client with a big kickoff event last night and uh, I had my three year old daughter uh, with me because my wife is sick and our other daughter was homesick. And so I just said, look, I don't have time to go pick her up. And bring her back home. So she's just going to go with me. And as we're walking out, I look at my three-year-old girl and I, I say, Hey, thanks for coming with me tonight. You know, I, I love you. And I appreciate, I, you know, I mean, talking how you talk to a three-year-old, yeah. but without missing a beat, Dylan looked at me and said, thanks for bringing me daddy. I had fun. We, not even prompted to say that. And I'm like, that's it. That's, that's the dream right there. Right. Hmm. Um, and, and our daughter, Dylan is a, she's not a nightmare child, but she is a goblin. I mean, she's just mischievous and she does mischievous things. She's not mean spirited to anybody, but she is a little salty. Yeah. A little salty at times. Uh-huh. Right. Um, very much the spitting image of her father when he was three <laughs> years old. Um, and still to this day, right. I mean, again, uh, a little bit more roller coaster than 
our my my wife and our other daughter. But when you when that girl looks at me and says, "Thanks for bringing me to something that she absolutely no three year old would ever enjoy," um, and she actually, I mean, she meant it. She, she there was this woman that was there that was walking around with her. My daughter was holding her hand and showing her things on her iPad. I mean, she genuinely enjoyed herself. And, and I got to share that moment. That's fantastic. Again, that's the dream. And everybody, I want everybody to have that same sort of feeling. I mean, I genuinely do. And so, like I said, if, if somebody walks away from this and says, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not going to apologize to myself or explain it to myself. I'm going to do what I need to do and just accept what, what happens as a result of it. Then, um, you know, then I, then I've had a blessed day. If, if one person can walk away hearing that and knowing that. Especially when your three-year-old says something like that, because you know, they're genuine. <laughs> yeah. They haven't hit, yeah. hit by the world. So they, they're genuine. They'll tell you straight yes. up. Hey, I had a horrible time or, Hey, thanks for bringing me. I had a great time. Yeah, 100%. So when 100%. it's genuine, you feel that uh, it's multiplied, it's amplified when you feel that, when you, because it's true. There's no way they're lying to you. And that's the amplification of it all. That's why mm-hmm. that feeling like gets 10 x So growing up and going through your journey and going through all your businesses, were there any mental, um, mentals, mentors or intellectual figures that actually guided you or provided valuable insight for you? Yeah. So one of those uh, mentors was my debate coach in college. Um, And again, to go back to those eight, to that age, uh, it it probably comes as no surprise to say I was a basket case when I was 18, 19 years old. It was, I was, I was a scholarship kid uh, arguing with people all of the time. And, and clearly I was not an enjoyable person to be around quite a bit. But he never gave up on. I mean, he just he Uh, he invested in me for some stupid reason at that point because I wasn't enjoyable to be around. But he just never gave up. And and to this day, I mean, right uh, a couple years ago, I flew back out to Denver and essentially spent a weekend with him, going to a Nuggets game and an Avalanche game, and taking him to a soccer match because Atlanta United was playing out there in Denver. And man, we just had the best time hanging out. And Things that he taught me about communicating to people, I still use to this day. I mean, 20, 25 years later. Uh, and and uh, there, there have been, uh, my old man was a mentor. I mean, when I look back at the relationship I had with him, um, I was the old of it, oldest of his three natural children. I, I have two step siblings on, on that side of the family. Um, but I have one sister, and she was dad's girl. Of right? course. And I have one younger brother who is uh, a carbon copy of the old man. So they were, they had, they had that best friend, soulmate type relationship, right? Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm so much like, uh, in personality wise, like my mother, and they separated when I was nine, that I always think it was hard for him when I was younger to figure out the best way to connect. Because I reminded him of the wife that left him and uh, that failed relationship and whatnot. Uh, but as we got older, um, obviously we we bust each other's chops and we crack jokes. You know, we, we'd oftentimes uh, I'd oftentimes tell him, uh, you know, I'll break his hip if he gets uh, gets gets mouthy with me, and mm. he'd crack a joke like, "Look, I'm still your old man, and I might have a bad leg, but I'll still kick your ass with it." Type things, right? We had that type of friendly relationship. <laughs> um, but he, he, as we got older, he knew how to mentor me through some of these challenges of how you deal with the emotional challenges and the struggles in your life and learn how to treat people better. Because that's the one thing that I saw him do is I saw when I look back, I saw him grow up in a lot of ways yeah. as a parent and a father and a husband. And so he helped me through that. Because I mean, I, I I think uh, I think I probably needed it more than he did, and and there have been like little momentary mentors, right? People in my life that came in for for a very short window, and and helped in a particular way before they were gone, and I maybe never spoke to them again. 
Um, and you should never, never discount the, the momentary mentors in your mm. life that, uh, you know, you're not meant to be in their life and they're not meant to be in yours, but you still remember them. And even if not by name, you remember that. They instance. delivered that aha moment to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. I've had tons of those. Yeah. It, and it makes life richer when, when you, you recognize them for what they are. So. And it's just like, wow, I don't know who this person was. I don't know him at all. I would love to get in contact with them again, but that changed my life right there. Boom. In mm-hmm. an instant. That's happened to me plenty of times. And it's like, oh, huh. I remember when I was four years old, I was drowning in, I guess, in the beach somewhere in uh, Greece. And I'll never forget it. I think it was my uncle, but I can't tell you who it was. But I was sitting there drowning. And I'm sitting there because I remember it clearly. Just seeing mm-hmm. the water above me. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm four years old. I'm going to die. Then just someone grabbed me out of the water. Like saved my life. And I can't remember who he was or where it was. Mm. But it's like, wow, this person is the reason why I'm living today. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, quite uh, literally in that uh, case. Right. I mean, another life and death moment that, that you made it through because of another person. And I have no idea who he is. It's like the killer. It's like mm-hmm. this guy just saved my life and that was it. Like, I don't think anybody else, not my parents, not my sister or my family around knew this happened. So that's why it's like, that's crazy. How people just change yeah. your life like that. 100%. Uh, 100%. So uh, looking ahead, uh, as you think of the future of your businesses, uh, what excites you the most? Oh, man. Um, In the next 12 months, the things that excite me the most are, well, I would say getting through this damn election cycle. I look forward (laughs) to surviving this this mess from from that particular business. Uh, But uh, from from the marketing side, uh, we just had our first real estate education course approved here in the state of Georgia. That's awesome. And it's it's basically I'm I'm excited about actually helping real estate agents keep their licenses by teaching them how to build better relationships with their their students and their customers. And so we had this course approved for both real estate agents and real estate educators. In the next 12 months, uh, myself and, and the, the client of mine that, that I'm going to partner with on developing these courses are actually going to start to launch our own online real estate school and start to record and sell little micro courses, right, for mm-hmm. 30 bucks a pop, 40 bucks a pop, and just build an entire curriculum aimed at obviously the real estate side from her perspective, but for me, the marketing side and start to go help people do some amazing things in real estate by taking what she knows and taking what I know and putting them together and then seeing what we can do with it, man. I mean, the, the, the world, there, there's just an oyster out there and, and a, there's a big old pearl uh, hey, you waiting for us to crack open. You just got to pressure it. Boom. Get That's it in it. there. And I, I have to tell you, you've already inspired me. You're already very, a very inspiring person. And I loved hearing your story. And I love hearing everything about you. It's just like, you know, we're part of the same community. And every single time we get together, we basically agree on a lot. But there's one thing I want to ask you also. Who shot first, Han or Greta? Oh, Han definitely <laughs> shot first. Anybody that says Han did not shoot first is not a real they are not steeped in the lore <laughs> and the mythology of what Star Wars really is. Not only did Han shoot first, he was the only one that shot. Yeah, they included Greta in the last, though. Exactly. Whatever they did, right? He didn't even shoot. Exactly. So, yeah, no, Han shot first, man. But does that change the way no you doubt. ever felt about Han? <laughs> no, not uh, right? at all. I mean... I grew up in Wyoming, right? You know how many how many people in our state's history shot first? I mean, that's that's the gunslinger, right? I mean, I, of course, cowboys and gunslingers. That's what right? that's what people do. Uh, well, I'm not to survive. I'm not out to like take a bullet and then shoot. <laughs> yeah, but I never understood that. Like, why are they even fighting? Han shot first. Yeah, guy wanted to kill him. I'd shoot first and, too. And the 
the the den of villain villainry and and what was it what was it Obi Wan said about uh, Mos Eisley uh, the the den of of corruption and villainry I can't remember the line at this moment I I just criticized uh, everybody that says Han shot didn't shoot first and then I can't even remember the line but um, look if you're in Mos Eisley if anybody travels to a galaxy far far away. And you're a most likely. You better have your blaster ready to shoot first. That's all I'm going to say. No apologies necessary from Han on that. At all. Uh, There you go. There's the answer. So everybody listening on this, you know the answer now. Han shot first. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's it. That conversation is dead. There's no more debate. No, none. Zero. We settled it. It is biblical now. Uh, what uh, piece of advice would you give people listening to this podcast as they start their before the rise phase and work towards their own after the set? Don't apologize to anybody for being happy. Don't expect anybody to apologize to you for being happy. That's that's it. That's best advice I've heard. No apologies. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. So you should apologize when you treat people poorly, though. That's that's one thing about it. Don't treat people poorly, and you won't have to apologize. That's it. That's exactly right. (laughs) Great. So you were listening to the After the Said podcast. We didn't get our introduction right because we just jumped it right into the conversation. (laughs) But I guess I could introduce him right now as we exit. This has been a conversation with Robert Lee. Of are you still with Lasik Media, or did you change your name around that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're still uh, Lasik Media, Lasik Agency, Lasik Companies. So. And where can we go to learn more about you? Yeah, if uh, if you want to learn about all of our different companies, you can go to leesix.com. That's L-E-S-I-X. Think Lean Six Sigma combined into one word. Uh, leesix.com. The media company is leesixmedia.com. And the marketing agency is leesix.agency. There you go. Robert, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. And I really enjoyed your story, and I really learned a lot. And I really like, hopefully, everybody else who was listening learned the same things I learned. And uh, I look forward to seeing you succeed. Hello.